Rick, we can be like old Bill Sykes if we pick a pocket or two. Today on the podcast, Oliver. So, welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the uh, the show in which I, your co-host Rick Barrasso, and me, the other co-host Derek Smith, are going to watch every movie ever made, ever, and we're going to every single one, and we are going to help figure out which one is in fact the greatest movie of all time. Last week we did Casablanca. And I uh, thought it came out good. I thought it was a pretty good episode. Uh, go back and listen to that one. Let us know what you think. On to today's business, though. Uh, Derek, you had the pick today. What, uh, what did you uh, decide to present to the group, let's say? One of my childhood favorites, Oliver! Exclamation point. Indeed, that exclamation point is big. So, Oliver, it's a, it's a 1968 musical. Directed by the great Carol Reed, uh, stars Ron Moody as Fagin, Oliver Reed, yes relation, as Bill Sykes, Shawnee Wallace as Nancy, Mark Lester as Oliver Twist, and Jack Wilde as the Artful Dodger. It's got a 7.4 on IMDb. It's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 74% on Metacritic, and it won Best Picture that year, which is something we going to talk about a lot later on in the podcast. So Derek, yeah, th- this is the first time I saw the movie. Yep. I was excited for this. Yep. And, and we'll, we'll talk about my thoughts as, as we go on. Tell us about, you know, you said this was a childhood favorite. Tell us about your memories of this movie first seeing it. And you know, really why, you know, why, why is this your choice? I think this was like a wintry movie for my family. I always remember watching this when it was really cold outside. And I always, as my parents would say, I always had like a little bit of a red mark above my lip below my nose because I always had a cold when I was a kid. And I just remember having that, like that feeling of having that redness over my, over my lip. I was sick and watching Oliver with my family. It's just a constant thing. I, I must've watched it like 15 times when I was a kid. I just couldn't get enough of the music and the, you know, the feeling it gave me. So it was definitely a favorite of mine. And I, I had watched it recently, first time in a long time. And I had tears in my eyes the whole time. <laughs> All right. Well, it seems like you and I had different reactions to this movie. So let's talk about it. Let's, let's get in first to, to what happens in the movie. And then we'll talk about our thoughts on it and go through uh, what we like and what we didn't like and, and all that good stuff. So we open up uh, here on a workhouse with a, a group of orphans to working on some kind of wheel that seems to to power the place, whatever they're they're working on there. And we then see a group of sort of like upper society types enter a gray stone dining hall with the phrase God is love etched into that back stone wall. And they decline to taste the gruel that'll uh, presumably be served to the orphans. The orphans enter, they're singing about their lot in life with the song Food, Glorious Food, which they seem to be into. We we see actual like a delicious looking meal being eaten by what we find is the governor and his, his, his buddies. We're pretty set, by the way, in you know 1800s London or England at this point. We'll get to London later. But yeah, it's just a dark, gray, miserable experience that uh, all orphan movies seem to, all movie orphans seem to have, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see uh, there's a group of boys, they're drawing straws 
And as a result, we see our hero, Oliver, he has to approach the front of the room and ask for more gruel. He's chased away and he's eventually caught by the staff. And this is where we learn his name is Oliver Twist with the song Oliver. And he is taken to the governor, just continuing his lavish meal. And for punishment, he decides that Oliver is to remove from the orphanage and sold with the song Boy for Sale. Mm-hmm. I must say, at this point, I realized I did see one part of this movie before Mm -hmm. and it was the part where he asks for more food yep it's a classic yeah well it was edited into an episode of muppet babies (laughs) where i believe it was kermit as as oliver twist and they they go to uh they show mr bumblebee like more yeah yeah so and then he's just sold which is We'll, we'll we'll get to it later, but the the treatment of children in this movie is is sort of interesting. You know, yeah, selling them, passing them around, all that sort of stuff. And eventually, we see um, an Undertaker, not the Undertaker, but an Undertaker. <laughs> uh, he decides to purchase Oliver, uh, but only after a one week trial period. Oliver, he kind of takes him on as um, just a boy, like a workman, the work boy. I don't I don't know, a slave basically, and has him lead a funeral procession. Oliver's distracted by like the mockery as they pass his former housemates and Mr. Bumble, the man who sold him. Upon return to the funeral parlor, Oliver is mocked by the apprentice there and attacks him. And he just beats the hell out of this like much older kid. <laughs> like what what's going on there? This kid is like He's gangly, he's tall, he's like he definitely get the upper hand. Yeah, but he's like I mean the apprentice is like eighteen. <laughs> maybe he i mean i always thought of it like he was just it was just unexpected like he didn't expect it to be attacked he was like oh crap i'm caught unawares Listen, and he's getting the upper hand i feel like i might have trouble with the apprentice he's like he's just a big tall kid like, yeah oliver's oliver for, for those of you who haven't seen the movie although go go watch it decide yourself uh is like a 10 year old boy at this how is he something like that something he's like that yeah. he is a child but uh this yeah, this, this results in Oliver. He's, he has to be, like, pulled off and chased around. And they shove him into a coffin to like, keep him under control. Yeah. And this is, like, Oliver's kind of, like, one... At this point in the movie, I thought Oliver was going to be, like, oh, he's just, like, a badass and he just beats the hell out of people. <laughs> this is the one moment in the movie where he does this. Right, right. He it's just, so somebody, out of place. Somebody mentions his mother, and that's it. He goes off. Yeah, he goes, like... It's like he called Marty McFly chicken. Like, it's just... Right. Uh, yeah, I... I it, it, it's it's very out of place for me with the rest of the movie. It doesn't really fit in. Let me ask you this. Even yeah. though this is probably a later question, it just came to my mind. Yeah. Was it smart for Oliver to do what he did? Like, do you think that's a better option for a kid to be sold to this like family where he works at and maybe gets like scraps? Or is it better off being in the workhouse and getting the crap that he gets? I don't know. It, it, I feel like maybe he's better off in a way. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, The Undertaker himself seems to be like a pretty fun guy. But, yeah, he's uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the family and The Apprentice. I don't know if it's like his, his son and daughter. Or Thank whatever. God he's a happy, guy's a happy drunk. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, he he seems fine. I mean, it'd be better if it was The Undertaker. And was I mean. Like, Mr. Bumble, rest <laughs> in peace. He beats up Paul Bear instead. Yeah. Oh, yes, Oliver. Yes. Oh, yes, Oliver. But yeah, the I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's no real good option for him. And I, where, where do they even start? I don't know what city they're in. Right, right. Well, I expect it's outside of London, I'm guessing. I mean, it's, but... it's somewhere. I mean, he says what he, he ends up saying when he gets to London, he's been walking for seven days. So, right. you know, it, it, it's, it's, 
I mean, it's it's a week's walk from London. To be honest, I really don't know the geography of England that well, so that that could be literally anywhere in England. Right, I right. I don't know, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, like he ends up, Oliver ends up, you know, in the in the right situation for him. But I, I mean, of those two options, honestly, I'd go with the I'd go with the Undertaker. At least they're feeding him meat. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's what Mr. Bumble says is is the problem. Yeah. He fed him too much meat, so he's going insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the uh, the apprentice, speaking of Bumble, runs to get him for some reason instead of going to get the Undertaker to punish this like orphan child. Bumble gets there, finds that Oliver's in the coffin, and you know asks if Oliver's afraid of him. Oliver replies in the negative. Mr. Bumble at this point where he brings up, you know, you're being fed meat. You should have just fed him gruel. Right. Uh, the Undertaker stumbles home drunk and lays in the coffin after Oliver gets out of it. And that's a wrap on The Undertaker and his family, pretty much. Yeah, you, you think uh, they're going to be a big part of it, and they are not. Yep, not at all. Bumble, for some reason, is one that punishes Oliver instead of The Undertaker, whose home they are in, <laughs> and throws him into the basement with just a bunch of coffins laying around. Right. Oliver is sad and sings Where is Love?, and at this point, I do not want to hear a child sing ever again in my life. Well, that's uh, not a child singing; that's a woman. I know it's a, it's a it's a it's a and, woman. And we'll we'll talk about that later because we'll, we'll we'll get to my opinion on that that thing. Yeah, that's gonna be. I think I think you and I have that in the in the same spot, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk right. about that later. Right. So he escapes through a window and he starts walking towards London, trying to hitchhike and ask for help along the way. Nobody stops. And he ends up sort of hitching a ride on the back of a vegetable cart. And then as soon as he gets to London, uh, Oliver meets another boy, Jack, a.k.a. the Artful Dodger, a streetwise boy who steals a roll for them to split and offers a place for Oliver to stay and goes into Consider Yourself, which I think for me is by far the the best song in the movie. Okay. Like the best, like, see, like that is truly an impressive set piece. Um, yeah, right. you, you could just tell the work. I mean, and the director alone has to deal with all of the extras who are dancing. Yes, alone is like, oh man. Yeah, and Carol Reed is 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 a pro, and it it shows here. He just the yeah, just the amount of extras. It's it's truly impressive, and it it shows shows around London with with Dodger stealing things along the way and you know trying to dodge the police and things like that and you know what too like a lot of movies always depict london as this really grimy bad place and i'm not gonna lie later in the movie you do get a sense of that but this right here when i was a kid made me think london was like paradise because everyone loves each other everyone's dancing everyone's happy and that was like wow i want to go to london someday to experience this then i watched 10 other movies with london and i was like i don't want to go to london yeah well it's (laughs) it's very especially in like you know dickens era london like uh dickensian london if you, if you want to call it that it's just like normally it's just like gross right and just any city in that time is disgusting exactly i mean not that many of them are much better now but you know certainly certainly better now than it was then right so oliver asked dodger if he can uh, have a place to stay uh oliver's taken through a back alley and up to meet fagan the leader of a group of homeless children criminals who steal for him. And he sort of indoctrinates Oliver uh, into the lifestyle with, you've got to pick a pocket or two. Uh, the uh, the quote from uh, from up top. Uh, somehow after the song, Oliver still has not caught on to the fact that these are pickpockets. <laughs> and he thinks he'll be making wallets for some reason. <laughs> like, again, like you, th- you think early, like in the, in the 
where he's sort of standing up for himself and you know fighting the the, the apprentice earlier a few minutes earlier you think he's going to be this like tough like kid who knows his way around no at this point you realize oh he's an idiot yeah he's basically a placeholder for the story yeah there's like nothing he's just dumb he's like oh i gotta pick a pocket or two to make wallets and handkerchiefs and it, yeah it's, and the other kids are like you're an idiot yeah fagan allows oliver to stay in his like weird loft of young boys and uh convinces him that he sees like great potential in oliver do, do you think fagan is sincere in this you know that's a big question um I do think he's sincere in a way like you can, I mean, later in the movie, there are moments where Fagin shows his true colors and he's like, I don't want violence. There's no need for it. Yeah. Um, so he does have a heart. I just feel like he's, he, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a lot to talk about right now. I don't want to take off too much time talking about this, but I, I think he is sincere. I think he's just, he's, he's always going to be a criminal. Um, yeah. But I mean, specifically with Oliver, like, he's just like, Oh, I see. Is he just like, He's out for himself, but you yeah, know, I think he cares a little bit. I mean, he doesn't care as much as, say, like another character would later on, aka right. Nancy. But right, you know. Then again, uh, Fagin cares for Nancy, so it's like a it's like a, a weird triangle of who cares for who. But I think he does a little bit. Maybe not. Yeah, as much I mean, as the I, don't, I don't think he. I don't think he wishes like ill will on anyone. But he also clearly later in the movie doesn't want. Like he's not entirely comfortable. I think with one of his boys or girls, I guess, like getting too, too far ahead. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't want that. He definitely wants to be in charge. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But he's kind of a, he's kind of a clown, but he's, he's also, he's also a villain. So at, at this point he's, you know, Fagan mentions, Oh, Oliver, you could be another Bill Sykes and we're going to meet Bill Sykes in a minute. You know, he, in, in fact, Fagan, after the boys go to sleep, Fagan sort of sneaks out and meets with Bill Sykes. He's he's a, local criminal he's kind of to to quote uh, another movie another future episode he's uh fagan's number one a guy but he is clearly he does not say a word in this scene at all and yeah he, it's is it is it weird that Bill Bill does not sing at all in this movie? Well, they cut out his. I know there's a song. I did see the, okay. the I did see the 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 Broadway version. I saw it live at one point. Um, okay. And Bill Sykes does have a song called like "What's My Name," and it's supposed to be like the bad guy song. But I don't think they needed it. One thing that me and Gia, my wife, was talking about is she likes uh, Tommy by the Who. Yeah. And Oliver Reed is in that, and he gets he he does sing in it, but it's like talk singy. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I don't think Oliver Reed had like the most, you know wonderful voice it's i think he's more like a russell crowe he's like he he can carry a tune but we don't really want to hear it funny funny you mentioned oliver uh, russell crowe and oliver (laughs) reed do do you know the story about them i don't well they were both in gladiator oh that's right yeah yeah and apparently they got into a fist fight on the set of gladiator and then he then oliver reed died and they like they had to like composite him into shots yeah oliver reed is um he's a strange guy he if you read any of his quotes on like imdb and stuff he's very much like when i come home i want to i want a meal i want my wife to do what i want her to do he was a very controlling person and he never had anything nice to say he is a i i mean he's i have a note about him later where i just i just have a note as a notorious curmudgeon like he's just <laughs> He like he in the way that makes him kind of perfect for this role because he's just right. like, he just shows up. He's oh, I'm I'm very threatening. Yeah, and that's and that's that's Bill Sykes and Oliver Reed. 
right uh, exactly. to me. So Bill is a girl, Nancy, waiting for him as well, and he you know, proves to uh, to Fagan that he is he sort of has this huge haul. He's clearly you know, robbed a house, uh, silverware and jewelry. And Fagan's like, ah, no, I'll, I'll give you the money tomorrow. So come by tomorrow. I'll help yeah. you out. Nancy greets Bill and sings about how, in fact, not such a bad life with It's a Fine Life. Mm-hmm. Bill does not seem as impressed at this point. <laughs> he just kind of sits there. And that's also, it's it's sort of interesting that usually in, in movies and in stories, like if you have a an animal companion, if you're nice to animals, dogs specifically, that's a sign that you are going to be like a, a a character that we can identify with yes and bill has this dog and he like pets him and he's like sneaking him food he's like a good pet owner right but it turns out he's a huge scumbag so i thought exactly. that was kind of interesting yeah. well and maybe it also is like he can't bill sykes can't even communicate with with humans you know dog yeah. doesn't talk back so <laughs> yeah that's 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 one way to think about it and you go from and at this point you go from bill with the dog directly to fagin with like his weird pet owl yeah and he's like counting the day's spoils and he's adding them you know some of them to a secret stash and oliver wakes up fagin kind of freaks out yells at oliver demanding nobody saw oliver says he didn't see anything but fagin does mention that you know he may keep some items from time to time just to survive uh in his old age his little 401k yeah exactly that's that's precisely what it is just just in case following morning nancy arrives to collect bill's money and meets oliver for the first time and apparently immediately like thinks this kid is the best because she like risks her life literally uh, later for him after meeting him like once you know what though i think i feel like she thinks that like he's definitely not one of them and maybe that's why she is impressed with him in a way or like wants to see him get out of there already um i don't know or or it could be like i don't know you bring the new it's like it's like i've had situations where like somebody brings the new guy in front of me a new friend and i try to impress them with my whatever i have maybe that's what it was because dodger and nancy put on a show for him all the time (laughs) yeah so yeah oliver is very polite to her uh to to that point and the other kids kind of mock him you know including dodger and uh, they, they sing i'd do anything uh basically saying oh nancy we'd do anything for you but uh, and then eventually they all sing it to Fagin, which is which is also weird. Um, <laughs> it's honestly one of my favorite moments in the movie because Fagin is so he's just very dimensional. Um, yeah. He just does everything, and he's you know he it's like he cons them. You know, you do anything, anything, get back to work, and like yeah. I love it. I just love how he handles that. So yeah, Fagin uh, Fagin sends the uh, the boys out for the day's work and pays Nancy for Bill's haul the previous night. But she has to like badger him down. Like she has to, she has to like talk him into giving a fair share. And you kind of show that Fagin is a little bit intimidated by Bill at this point. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I mean, he's dragging along. Why are you going to do that? Bill's yeah. going to strangle you. Oh, I, I feel like if 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 Bill were there instead of Nancy, he would have been like, "Well, here you go, Bill. Here's your absolute fair share. Please don't beat yeah. the shit out of me." But yeah, uh, Oliver and Dodger go out to to together to pick pockets. Dodger's kind of going to be showing in the ropes. Oh, what's, what's the song? Uh, cheer, be cheer, back uh, soon. Be back soon. Yeah, cheer, yeah, that's right. Be back. <laughs> yeah, Dodger uh, picks the pocket of a, uh, a wealthy-looking man, but uh, Oliver takes the blame and leads the uh, the police on a chase through the city, attempting to escape them. And he's nearly run over by a train, which 
you know, he just sort of lays underneath. I don't know about the, uh, the space <laughs> underneath that train for right. him, but he, he survives a skinny kid. You know, God knows, God knows I'd be dead. I am glad though, that like when they realize he's not dead, they're all like, Oh, even though they're like, he's a thief, but we're, we all have good hearts cause we're the good guys. <laughs> yeah. So Fagan at this point is upset at the prospect of Oliver flipping on them and threatens to flip on bill. If he hap- if, if this happens, Nancy volunteers to go to the court to check in on, on Oliver and hides like the next morning goes to the court and hides behind a pole, but <laughs> you can see her. Like, it's just like, it takes up like a fifth of her body and she's just not even like, she's just kind of looking down. It looks right. ridiculous. The judge is like drunk and he's just, every time he like accidentally, you know, accidentally on purpose, drops something, <laughs> he bends down and takes a swig of a, a flask. It. Uh, but he's questioning Oliver. Oliver's refusing to speak. Uh, the the judge proposes a, a, a harsh sentence when uh, Mr. Brownlow, the man who had his wallet stolen, speaks out against it. Suddenly a witness appears and clears Oliver of the crime, which I feel like he could have done much earlier and just true. avoided this whole thing. Very true. And this is another weird, weird, like, how do we treat kids in this uh, in this story? Mr. Brownlow decides, like, all right, Oliver, street kid, you're going to come live with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fagan sends Dodger to uh, to chase after them, as he's concerned Oliver still might talk. And that's when we go to intermission. What do you, What are you thinking at, at this point, Derek? Like, where do you? Well, so <laughs> did we miss something? Or now, now here's the thing: like, you're coming into this movie as like a grown man, adult yep. watching a film. I watched this at such an early stage that none of it mattered to me. All I cared about was the feeling I got from it. So sure. I had to, I had to rewatch it again with that sort of brain of like, no, wait a minute. Sure. You know? So it's still a different movie for me because of that reason. Well, it, sure. It, Here's the, here. Yeah. But I mean, like at the time, clearly, and this is 68, this is you know right before you know, new Hollywood comes in. So yeah. this is like Hollywood. I mean, it's a British film, but it's like, if you look at some of these set pieces and things like that, it is like excess that movies were known for at the time. Right, right. And critics, obviously, one best picture, critics obviously ate it up. You know, now, 50 plus years later, you know, how does it, uh, how does it well, hold up, you know? You know, I think the, uh, yeah, I think the, um, at this point, I mean, now that you bring up that, yeah, this guy just was like, yeah, come live with me. It's a little odd. Um, I'm wondering, no, I didn't read the book. I didn't read the Charles Dickens book, so I don't know yeah, if that I've, was the case, but. I have not either. Full, full disclosure, I'm not a, a, a Dickens scholar by any means. Right. And, and we, most of the time, you know, most of the time people are like, oh, well, the book said that the, this could be a case where maybe Dickens wrote that too. And it was like, maybe that was kind of a goofy move too. I don't know if, if that be. was, you know what I mean? Maybe it was just something that happened in his world then. Yeah. I don't know. Criminals uh, get nice houses when they rob things could be and yeah speaking of uh nice houses we come back to a much nicer area and there's a woman selling roses and that comes into uh yeah the song who will buy yeah uh, and oliver's very happy in his new situation everyone seems like they're in a great mood at this point i'm thinking like oh this is the difference this plays much better in a a, a stage musical setting Oh, for sure. And I actually, after watching the movie, I did my, I did some research and I was trying to find some staged versions of, of Who Will Buy specifically because yeah. I wanted to see how they'd handle it. And it was f- magnificent. It was like, holy moly, you know, it was so good. But I guess it's like rich London versus the poor London. It's, that's you fine. I mean? That's fine. But this is like, to me, 
this 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 is basically it it doesn't move the plot along all that much it's just an excuse to like sing and dance which oh is, sure sure yeah i, I think like, yeah yeah literally a parade starts in the middle of a song like the song's going it's going we're selling flowers we're selling this we're selling that we're selling happy feelings and then a fucking parade starts and i'm like oh right my God. right oh yeah totally when you bring that up the song really doesn't mean much to the story whatsoever yeah. it's just and and like i said it, it, i bet on stage it's incredibly impressive oh, so yeah that, for sure for sure you know because you're just getting back from intermission you're getting back into it in this medium to me it doesn't really work i th- well i think like you said before like the the oscars ate it up right yes. maybe this was one of those songs where like oh they're going to eat this presentation up it could and be I, and, and apparently you know, it worked apparently well, yeah, it worked sure. it was like yeah and then we, we go dodger and bill are just watching the situation Th- that always only, gets me they, they look so out of place <laughs> so out of place i can only imagine what they're thinking like what the fuck is this place <laughs> so i just like why Fagan. are we here i'm getting out of here <laughs> yeah yeah then we then we catch a fagin bill and nancy and the kids and they're plotting to kidnap oliver and nancy is refusing at first to do this herself but bill grabs her by the throat and backhands her and mm-hmm. the kids are all like horrified by this, and even Fagan is like, oh, "Come on, Bill, like let's let's chill out." Like, yeah, let's, you know what's funny? Operation. G- so Gia asked me about that because we were talking about the movie afterwards, and she was she asked me, she goes, "Do you think that Dodger and the kids are learning from Bill Sykes when he does that to Nancy? Do you think that they're going to carry those traits because they look up to him like that, or do you think that they're petrified?" And I think the Dodger's smart enough to know that that's not how you treat people. Yeah. I mean, do they look up to him though? I feel like they don't look up to him. I think right. they're all afraid of him. Afraid of him. I yeah. think they look up to Fagin, which is a problem in and of itself, but Bill, like even in, you know, Nancy's song earlier, I do anything when she's, she asked him like, Oh, would you fight Bill? And yeah. Dodger like looks terrified for what, a second. Fifty cuffs. Yeah. I, I think they're more afraid of him mm. than, than right. they look up to him. Yeah. But you know, historically, you know the you know, lower class London, a very nonviolent place. So who knows? At this time, uh, then then yeah. then Nancy has another song. She kind of sings to herself, convincing herself that this is a good relationship. He with needs this, me. Yeah, as long as he needs me. Right. It's. It, I I always feel like because I when I was a kid, I didn't know that Nancy was she. I didn't know she grew up under Fagan's thumb. Yeah, she doesn't mention it until later. Until later. So now, now you know that she was also a thief as a kid, and she grew up in this world. And yeah. she, and that's why the, the song It's a Fine Life always gets me, because I'm like, she is okay with having a shitty life. Yeah. And it's fine with her, and it kind of bothers me, but, you know. Well, we, she's sort of making the best. There's no upward mobility for these people. Like, right. we, we, you think, I mean, it's it's and it's also an English story, so it's not the. I mean, the ultimate like American value is like forward momentum and let's let's pull us up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and like that's that's what the quote unquote American dream is. That's not really the English dream, you know. Right. Like especially right. now, like at this time, you have it's so stratified and you know, it's they don't even really dream of it nobody thinks about i mean other than fagan who eventually even rejects it nobody really even thinks about improving their station in life right it's just it's just not in their dna like it is like it is here yep we then go to mr brownlow he's sending uh oliver out to uh to return some books and a another strange decision send him out alone send the child out alone 
yeah, it's 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 a weird decision. But hey, you know what? We're in a, a movie of weird decisions. And then uh, after Oliver leaves, he sort of uh, he being Mr. Brownlow looks at a portrait of this blonde woman. It's, it's his niece, uh, and he's oh wow, there's a resemblance between the boy and the woman in the painting. Which sure, fine. <laughs> Okay, whatever at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's his mother. Rick watching. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Another right, weird cool. thing. Another weird yep. thing. Yeah. Oliver stops to watch a Punch and Judy show, and Nancy, having been convinced to, to assist Bill, they both grab him and they bring him back to Fagan. Uh, Bill and Fagan argue over who should get the five pound note, and Bill calls him an avaricious old skeleton, which I thought was a great line. <laughs> great line. Yep. And he takes it. Uh, takes the the money for himself. So Bill become, is, is convinced that, that Oliver talked and attempts to beat him, but Nancy jumps in and stops him. And this is weird because, again, she has met Oliver twice at this point, and one of them was, once was kidnapping him. Right. And she's like, I'm going to literally – like, I would literally take a bullet for this kid. Mm-hmm. You know, out, out of the whole gang, she shows no – maybe Dodger. She shows no, like, favoritism towards any of them except this, like, the new kid who she met once. And it, <laughs> Like I said, the, the only thing I could think of though is that maybe she sees a little bit herself in him, and she's like, "He he's not the he, this is not the life for this kid." Like yeah. Dodger, Dodger's a lifer. Could be, could but be, m- maybe you know. Yep. So even even Fagin is trying to like re- reason with the uh, with him that Oliver, yeah, you know, he's telling the truth. Like I have no reason to believe this kid would lie. I mean, I've spent literally one night with him, and you know, he's he he lied to me that he never said anything. But I don't think he'd lie to you. Uh, they never saw anything when he when he saw the. But yeah. But I, I think I think Fagan at this point is sort of he's more keeping the peace than he is. Right, right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Like he really, you know, if honestly, if yeah, let's say Bill two nights later like beat Oliver to death and like nobody can ever find him, nobody's nobody's after me, he'd be like, Oh, really? Do you have to do that? I don't <laughs> think he'd be too upset. He wouldn't um, be devastated, no. No, he'd be like, Oh, anyway, uh, what'd you get for me tonight? Right. So Nancy storms out and despite having to literally jump in between them, leaves Oliver alone with, uh, with Bill and Fagan and, and, and the boys, which, which I thought was a weird decision. Fagan, you know, advises that uh, they're going to need to stay calm and think out a course of action, but Bill is all action and he wants to take care of any possible risk. And Bill says, you know, if anyone brings the law into it from the gang, he is going to kill Fagan. And then uh, Bill leaves. Fagan contemplates taking his secret stash and uh, funding a getaway with it uh, with the song Reviewing the Situation. My favorite. Your favorite song? Yep. Okay. When I was a kid, I tried to, like, be Fagan. Like, I kept, I was in my room by myself with a hat on, and I would sing that song in the mirror because I wanted to be sneaky like Fagan. (laughs) (laughs) Are you eating? I have a piece of cantaloupe. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm on a diet, man. I'm trying to eat before eight. So am I, but all right. Uh, so anyway, Bumble's back, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bumble. By the way, Fagan decides not to, to run away and decides to stay a thief. So Bumble's back, Mr. and Mrs. Bumble. They're at Mr. Brownlow's house. And they through the conversation, they confirm that the woman in the picture is indeed Oliver's mother, Brownlow's niece. And sure. Uh, so <laughs> you're like, I'm so done. This it, it, the, the problem is literally it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Right. Oliver doesn't find out in the movie. 
like it just it's just like a, just a thing to be there. That's true. Bill uh, at this point he's you know toting Oliver along. He brings him to his and Nancy's apartment, and he's uh, he's taking Oliver on a job with him. And uh, Nancy's protesting, but Bill takes the boy anyway. Nancy goes to Brownlow and tells him that you know she's going to bring Oliver to London Bridge at midnight. And I'm not gonna yeah you know, she's not gonna she's not going to name any names of her accomplices in, in fear of the you know in, in fear of the consequences for her. But you know he'll he'll be there. Don't worry about it. And again, like this is this is a bad plan because they know where he'll be going. Right. You know, it's 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 not like okay, oh where'd the kid go? Oh, he must have disappeared into the streets with all his streetwise experience. <laughs> How about we check the literally the same place? Just not a great plan, but you know, it, it, and it does not work out for her in the end. I don't think she's the cleverest person, but she's you know she she's sticking with her heart, and unfortunately, you know, it's yeah. kind of a dumb decision. Yeah. So uh, we cut. Then Bill is using Oliver to like slide into a small window because again, tiny tiny child to help him rob a house. But Oliver, you know, either you know accidentally or on purpose, wakes up the occupants and they have to escape. By the way, the most menacing moment of the entire movie is when. Oliver's in the house and Bill kind of slightly knocks, opens up the little mail thing and his eyes are just there. Yeah. That shot well, I mean, is Oliver Reed is like a fucking terrifying looking human being. He is, but that moment right there, like his eyes, it, it reminded me of Cape Fair with De Niro. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's a cool shot. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. So they have to escape the house. We, we're back to the sort of tavern that I guess – uh, does Nancy work there or like <laughs> Bill and Nancy seem to live there? Do they own it? I don't know what's going on, but they, they're at this, this, this tavern uh, and Bill and Fagan are kind of discussing their next move. And Nancy creates a distraction so that she can take Oliver to the bridge with the song. Um, Papa <laughs> uh, Bill's dog bullseye uh, tips him off. Good dog. Great, great dog <laughs> acting in this movie. But uh, and, and he sort of gives chase to them. Uh, Bill catches up with them and, in a fit of rage, beats Nancy to death, uh, which is quite the turn for this movie. Yeah. Um, and he takes Oliver and he runs away as the scene is discovered. And there's a mob forming. They find out they used. He leaves the dog behind. He tries to get him, but he he can't go. But they use the dog to track Bill. That moment right there, I, and it, it took me a while, but I'm pretty sure if you rewatch that again, he literally says under his breath, "He's like Bullseye. I can't." He's like, "They're gonna something about how like yeah. like they're gonna track me down." I thought he was gonna grab Bullseye and kill him. Oh, he was. And that's just wow. Yeah. No. And that's. I mean, that's he absolutely was gonna kill that dog. Like he's 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 freaking. There's. Because that's the only thing that can sort of tie him to the scene. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, another case of these being incredibly smart people. You know, <laughs> Bill runs back to Fagin's hideout uh, and, and leads this mob to him. And he's try- I guess he's trying to get money from, from Fagin. The way he says, I want money, is m- one of the most memorable things I've ever – I don't know why, but the way Oliver Reed says it, I, I quote it in real life. Fagin's like, get out of here. Get out of here. And Oliver Reed's like, I want money. <laughs> and I'm like, why does he have to say it like that? He really wants it. <laughs> yeah, the, the mob is uh, sort of bearing down on them at this point. They use the dog to track him down. And Fagin and, and the boys and Bill sort of abandon the loft. And Bill it, it, you know, attempts to use Oliver as a hostage. They're, the mob is trying to get up the stairs. And the stairs sort of sink into this deep mud that's there all of a sudden. And Fagin tries to take his stash and escape, but he loses it in the mud. 
Bill is uh, is shot in his attempt to escape, and he kind of falls from a roof. There's a rope hanging off him, and he just kind of swings across the crowd, like swings across the like above the crowd. I thought it was a cool shot. It was. It was a good shot. I mean, the, the movie. It's, uh, I'm ragging on it a bit. It's a well made movie. We don't have to even get there. I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool, I'm, I'm saying, I, I, I always like the cool imagery of like somebody hanging with everyone's silent. Like that was kind of a yeah, cool moment. Everyone's there. looking. And, I, and I, I did like the gag where everyone's looking up and Dodger just picks a pocket. <laughs> One <laughs> of my favorite things. Yeah. He's like, oh, all right. Well. <laughs> okay. Dodger you know, picks a pocket while everyone's looking at this like swinging corpse. <laughs> and he, like he and Fagan like dance off literally into the sunset or the sunrise, I guess. And be like, oh, we're gonna continue our our thieving ways. When and Fagin at first yeah. attempts to be like a what is he pretending to be like a priest or something like that, a rabbi or something? Something. He's, he's, he's a Jewish. Yeah. But I love the line: um, "Once a villain, always a villain to the end." And they 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 dance off into the sunset. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then elsewhere, Oliver and Mister Brownlow are reunited, and the boy can live out a good life with his remaining family. Yeah. I, you so. know, and that's the end. And you know, I always thought that they should have switched those scenes. I thought Oliver being with Brownlow at the end was fine. And the ending should have been for me, Fagan and, and Dodger going off into the sunset. That shot with the sun, the sun going down yeah. oh, the, the alleyways. Yeah. I thought it was the best ending. And then they went back to Brownlow and the rich play. It didn't do it for me. I wish they had Well, the, the movie's not called Fagan. And true, it's, true. It's, yeah, it's not called Artful Dodger. Right. Uh, it just seemed like a better... Yeah, it was, it's a better both. shot, but you have to end on, on Oliver. Like he's, right. he's at the beginning, he's at the end. All right, so that's, that's Oliver. That's what happens, Derek. What I mean, did I miss anything? Do you have any any no? Any you, thoughts? you no, you nailed it, man. Um, yeah, that, that's basically it. And like I said, um, it, it's it's the movie for me. And like my whole my uncles, my father, like every, it's embedded into our family because we used to watch it so often during the winter and stuff. And so it, it's it's interesting to hear it from somebody who just freshly watched it for the first time and be like, wait a minute, here are yeah. the issues. And and clearly there are a lot of silly things in this, but yeah. there have been a lot of remakes. I know that Ben Kingsley was Fagin at one point in a, in a movie. Um, it wasn't a musical, but no, I know yeah. that. Um, and my dad told me that he liked that version or something like that. But you know, oh yeah, I mean, Oliver was obviously a classic story. You yeah, know, it's, I, it's, yeah, yeah. Any anything um, Dickens, you know, is 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 going to be a classic. Right. But yeah, let's let's you know move on. And uh, there's a few things we like to do in every episode. Yeah, we like to talk about first thing. We also talk about our, our favorite and least favorite things in the movie. Uh, so, Derek, let's start with you. What is your favorite thing in this it's, movie? It's sort of a tie. Um, I would say for me, the music is just my childhood. When I when I hear it, it just it just brings me back. So I do like I, I do love all the songs in their own way. Some of them are cheesy as hell, but I still you know it's a guilty pleasure. Um, I love the music, and I also love the over over characterization of some of the characters. Like, um, I did watch um, Jonathan Price as Fagin on a okay. Broadway version, and I heard him sing, and he was not as colorful as Ron Moody was. Yeah, and that to me and Oliver, like, I remember the the over, over. I wouldn't say overacting, but like. I like the way that they really dug deep into some of these characters um, if they got the chance to. So I think the, some of the acting for me was spot on and I love the music. So they're kind of tied for me. Yeah. They were definitely going for, for, for a tone with that. And I could see, you know, if somebody played it, I mean, it's, and, and that's one of, I think one of the great things about Oliver Reed's performance, he's sort of the only one who's kind of playing it straight, you know, like he's, he's so, like he's so intense and everyone else is just absolutely not. Right, right. And, exactly. and 
it, like it makes him stand out so much more as a villain. And, and, and the one moment that's humorous that I always say is like that line where he's with Nancy and she's like, do you love me? And he's like, of course I do. I live with you, don't I? Falls back into yeah. bed. It's so comical. I'm like, that's funny that they had that one funny thing of him, but yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, so I would say for, for my, my favorite thing in the movie uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it to the set like the big set pieces you know in the direction of it like I I, I think you know it's especially consider yourself like that's super impressive like we talked about it before the yeah, the choreography of that sequence is insane right uh, and like who will buy I I mean I don't love it where it fits in the movie and like I think it kind of brings the movie to a to a standstill but I mean taken on its own is like super impressive to watch. Yeah, especially there's one moment so where much. like every guy at the same exact time is climbing a ladder and they yeah. all go and they're watching the the choreography in that moment. I'm like, that must've took them three weeks to get down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, I mean, that's, that's incredibly impressive. All right. And you know, with the, with the, uh, the light comes the dark and uh, uh, we get to have a least favorite thing and i think we probably we agree we agree it's it's definitely the 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 choice to have a woman sing for oliver um well it's not even that because that's that's fine but just the voice itself the voice itself i mean it's so and when i was a kid i even knew something was up i was like what is this that's not his voice well it's it's just it's so high-pitched and nothing it's just a big fat nothing voice right right character to it it's just it's really up there that's it yeah it like it's it, it, there's no like there, there's no anything to it it's it's not good and it just for the main character right and it, it makes the character like the worst part of the yeah movie. it's true it's true yeah. that is that is i mean in and i i don't know why i don't know if i'll ever find out but it, i just think it was a lousy directing choice um cuz I, I don't think... know that that's necessarily a directing choice i think that i because I mean, he let it, he allowed it. You know, he could have made. He, it, he did, but it, it. it. Yeah, but I think we're still in sort of the the tail end of like the studio system here, because we're we're still. I mean, in the '60s, it's still kind of hanging on. Uh, I I would bet more that that's a production choice. I bet a producer is like, "Hey, I get this actress. We're going to use her," and the director's <laughs> like, "All right, I'll do with it what I can." Right, it's possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, those things can't be avoided. Yeah, and, and again, for me, just kids singing in general at this point, I just, I just don't want to hear another child sing for quite a while. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I agree with you there, but I think that some of the – like, Jack Wilde, for instance, like, he has such kind of a, a fun little British thing going, and it's fun, and it's, it's not annoying as much as it is. Yeah, because like, he's know. the only one with any character to his voice. Right, about the right. kids, you know? Yeah. And that goes back to the very beginning of the movie, like, with the orphans. It's just like, all right, I get it. Like, your kid, you're singing. Uh, <laughs> All right. I sing so, that song. I sing that song every single day when there's food in front of me. Yeah, glorious food. And, well, food is glorious, but you know, it's as 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 part of a goddamn two and a half hour musical. That's <laughs> all right. So uh, another thing that we like to do every episode is we like to give out awards to the the people who have impacted this movie the most, who deserve to be recognized, and you know, we like to do that in the form of a bronze, silver, and gold medal. Derek, who do you have for your bronze medal? Okay, mine is an absolute mess. Okay. I have, I have two ties in this. Okay. Okay, and I apologize. I just could not make up my mind. Okay. It's just, 
scatterbrain. My bronze medal, actually, without even, honestly, I didn't even know they were related until you mentioned it. I, for some reason, that, that just missed my mind. I didn't read it. Um, Cal Reed, Oliver Reed, they have tied bronze. Um, I had to throw Bill Sykes in there because I think his, I think his portrayal was, was menacing and, and very believable, but Cal Reed, man, he's, he, he has a lot to take on. Yeah. Um, and he deserves some recognition for this movie for sure. And this uh, <laughs> use the set pieces, everything. Um, th- those are my bronze. They're tied. It's yeah. sort of strange that they're tied because there's two different things there, but I had a hard time yeah. with this one. Yeah. I mean, I had Oliver Reed for my bronze. This is where I had him as you know, well-known celebrity curmudgeon. And yeah, the, the role just sort of like leans right into his persona. And you know, maybe he definitely got the role because his uncle directed the movie, but you know, it's uh, you know, he, he does well with it. And, and like we said, he's very you know, imposing and he's a threatening looking guy. He's a great villain. Um, he's, he brings a different vibe to the movie that, you know, otherwise would have been missing. I think he, he has a ruggedness him. about him too. Yes. Like I could see yeah. what I could see if women would be like, he's a handsome guy too, but he's yeah. like, you know, Nancy's obviously attracted to him. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, after the bronze comes the silver, Derek, who do you have? Another tie. Okay. I apologize. Uh, Jack Wilde and I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Shawnee Wallace. Yep, I think so. Uh, I Dodger and Nancy, I thought they just, um, I love their characters. I think they just, you know, I, I think there's, there's, I, I've seen movies where actors have gotten great characters and did really bad things with them. And I, I don't know, I just thought that Dodger and Nancy were so colorful and I enjoyed to see them on the screen every time they were there. So they get my silver. I can go deeper with this, um, with their actual characters, but that's it, that they get my silver. No, no, it's good. It's good. And uh, my silver, I had Ron Moody, Fagan, uh, the actor who played Fagan. He brought the role over from the stage. He gets a you know, Best Actor Oscar nomination, which I don't know if he necessarily should have been in that category, but yeah, that's, that's what he got. That's what the Academy decided. Yeah, I mean, he was super fun throughout the movie. He you know, kind of you know, stole most scenes he was in. Get yeah, really good job. I think he deserves a solid silver medal there. Yeah. And uh... Derek... My so yeah, my my gold is with a hundred percent, without a shadow of a doubt, for me it's Ron Moody. He was one of my heroes growing up. I didn't see him in any other movie. I just thought he, like you said, he stole every scene. I even I even have more respect for him now now that I've seen other people play Fagin and do kind of bad jobs, as opposed to what Ron Moody brought to the role. You know, just his his solo song alone reviewing the situation he goes back and he's like almost like for me he's like Gollum he's just going back and forth like, yeah. should I do this should I do that the way and I, I used to do a lot of theater and I, I used to want to be that type of actor that could that could be like just so dimensional and so I mean he's just I just think he's incredible in this movie um, and uh, he gets my gold I can keep going but I'm just I was so impressed with the way he, he put it together yeah, I mean, I I can't. I mean, that's a that's a great comparison for that for that song is Gollum, like just going back and forth, and yeah, you know, it's 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 again, he did a great job. We got my silver. My gold, however, goes to the director Carol Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's coming into this. He's he was the director of a ton of classics, including one of my all time favorite movies, The Third Man, and he wins Best Director for this, the Best Director Oscar. So that's that's going to count for something. He he won. Uh, like we said, the set pieces are incredible to keep track of all that takes you know, real skill. And this is really his last big hit. You know, he, he dies just a few years later and, you know, Carol Reed, enjoy your gold medal, you know, and uh, Ron Moody, enjoy your gold medal. They're yeah, both good dead, job. but yeah, enjoy, enjoy them. <laughs> enjoy him from the grave. We'll wrap it around your, your headstone. Derek, we've, we've given out our, our awards for the week. 
let's talk about the movie itself. You know, not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time. We know this. Only one movie, and we're going to watch every single movie ever made, like we said. And we're going to decide which one is the best. But I would argue that every movie does one thing better than every other movie. And let's start, Derek. Did you have anything that this movie does better than any other movie? You know, it's funny. I had a few different things I was thinking about, but I always love keeping my notebook pretty empty with only a few notes because usually you provide extra things that, that that kind of pop my brain and go, Oh my God, that's right. You know? So, and the one thing I I do think is that, you know, I don't want to keep forcing this on the listener's throats is that, but those set pieces were pretty incredible for its time. I I mean, I could go ahead and say that the music is the, is, does it better than anything else? I mean, there's, there's great songs in a lot of movies. I can't really say that this is the, the greatest soundtrack of all time, even though I think it's great. Um, but the set pieces for probably, I mean, I haven't seen every movie in 1968, obviously, but I'm, I, I mean, I just, I, I'm pretty sure that it's up there as far as set pieces for that year. The, the best set pieces of 1968. Okay. That I'll, I'll accept that it's one. It's possible. It's possible. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, I'll accept it. I have, I have one. I was able to find one. It gets rather specific though. Okay. Okay. This is the best live action musical adaptation of a Dickens novel that does not feature Muppets. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure that they're very happy with that. So can I, can I truly in my head, put it either over Oliver and company or a Muppet Christmas Carol? I don't know, but I can say <laughs> with, with absolute certainty this is the best live action musical adaptation of a Dickens novel without any Muppets in it. Okay. All right. There it is. So let's get to a part of the podcast I have been looking very forward to. And that is the Oscars this year. And, you know, 1968, the late sixties, the movie industry is kind of at a, 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 a crossroads. You know, we, we see this one. This this wins. I mean, let's 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 go through the the categories. It, it wins best picture, best director, best score, best sound, art direction. It cleans up. It's nominated for you know, best actor and best supporting actor. So you know, it's it's it does very well. But if if you think about this, and then you go into this, you know, in, into the decade following, this kind of sticks out like a sore thumb for me, this movie. It's so different. Once you get in the seventies, so many different types of movies are being made and the style of things ends up being so different. And well, let's, let's go through, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the, in the, in the, in, you know, in, in a few minutes, but I, I think not just this, uh, but I, I think the, a lot of the nominees this year are just kind of egregious. They're, it's it's not it, not the academy's finest hour in my opinion yes you, you feel free to disagree but let's let's go through the the oscars as they are okay and then i'm going to i'm going to throw something at you i'm going to throw a m- new mini feature that's all it's it's going to be a occasional feature that we have okay. and only in certain circumstances uh, so oliver wins best picture uh the other cat the other nominees excuse me are funny girl the Lion in Winter, I think Rachel Rachel, 
and uh, Romeo and Juliet, the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it's not with... Rochelle Rochelle. <laughs> Isn't that Seinfeld? Is that... I, thought, I, I thought maybe it was a real movie. I don't know. <laughs> I, that, honestly, that's what I was thinking. I don't know. It could be Rachel <laughs> Rachel. It could be Rochelle Rachel. It could be Rachel Rochelle. And it could be Rochelle Rochelle. Seinfeld, George, somebody, somebody on that show, give yeah. us a call and let us know. Right. Do you think, given those nominees... Do you think that it's the right winner? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do. And, and the one reason I can say that is because I haven't seen the other ones. Um, but I mean, let, let's, let's face it. I mean, there, you, you, while watching Oliver, you know, they're going for the gold. They, they want that. You know what I mean? It's like. They're laying out. Yeah. How, how can you, you know, unless you have an absolute unbelievable dramatic movie, that's just fantastic to go up against it. You're not really going to beat it. Um, if you're just going to do, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, they, they, they do a lot in that because the Oliver does get dramatic. It, it's very funny at some point. It's very musical. Yeah. at some point. They kind of give you every ingredient you want in a movie. I think I, I would say that this is one of those times where I don't know if the movie is necessarily the best movie but is definitely the most movie. I mean, have you seen the other ones to even? I have seen, I have seen, well, here's the thing. We're going to get to it in a little bit, but I I think this is a really bad, this is a really bad set of nominees for that year. Of the, of the nominees, I have seen the Romeo and Juliet and it's good. I would say for me, it's right sort of on the same level of, of my enjoyment. Okay. Let's go. And then, you know, moving on, we'll, we'll get back to best picture in a minute. Believe me. So best director, as you said, Carol Reed yep. wins. He is up against Zeffirelli for Romeo and Juliet, uh, Franco Zeffirelli, Anthony Harvey for the lion in winter. I, I want to say Gillo Pontecorvo for the battle of Algiers and Stanley Kubrick for 2001, a space odyssey. I haven't seen that movie yet, so it's hard for me to... Now, let me tell you, of these, I have seen three other ones. I've seen Romeo and Juliet, I've seen Battle of Algiers, and I've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Carol Reed, as much as I enjoyed his work in this, is in third place in this category for me. Okay. Kubrick should have won this walking away. Pontecorvo, Battle of Algiers, if you haven't seen it, is one of the best examples of what's called cinema verite, which is a very sort of realistic, it is the opposite of this movie. And it, it's just, it's a great movie. I recommend everyone out there track it down. It's, it's just incredible. Um, Carol Reed, great job. Great director. Third place and best director for me. It may have been a bit of a, like I said, it's the tail end of his career. Might've been a little bit of either a, you know, career thank you, or maybe they just didn't get 2001. But I, to me, 2001 is like an all-time classic. It, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, best actor, Ron Moody is, is nominated, does not win. He is, the winner is Cliff Robertson, a movie I've not seen called Charlie. Uh, other nominees are Alan Arkin for The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, Alan Bates for The Fixer, and Peter O'Toole for The Lion in Winter. I think I did see Charlie. I think I was showing it in school. I think it was about, I think the character Charlie was like mentally disabled or something, something to that effect. Yeah. Apparently um, it's based on flowers for Algernon. Yeah. Um, I remember just kind of seeing it. I mean, I, I can't talk for the other ones, but in my personal yeah. opinion, I, th- I think Ron Moody should have won. 
Um, that, he that's was great. Thing. I've, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with that because uh, yeah. even the other, even the other movies that, the other movies that I, I think may, that that I like more from this year, they didn't have a strong lead actor. Right, right, and, and like I said, I could go into detail as to why I think Ron Moody is, and I can, I can really sink down and 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 you know, even even for. Um, to, to do to do a, a, a lousy impression of what he did, but like I, I when he's singing, I'm reviewing the situation. Every line he says, he says it in a way that he thinks should be said. And I, when I watched other versions of it, the Fagans were kind of just singing the song just because it was a song. Yeah. Um. You know the part where he's talking about he can he can go and see all the different carts outside and sing to all the duchesses and do 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 da da. da. And he was F- Moody was the only one to emphasize certain words I thought should have been emphasized, and I. You know, I can go deep. Here's my question, though: Is he the lead actor in the movie? Well, that's another thing too. I mean, he—I guess you—if I don't know what they do here, but maybe if it's like he had the most screen time, maybe I, I don't know how they do it, but maybe because I mean, you, Oliver, I guess, is the lead, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they how, how they would do that. I think I think Oliver Reed is more of a lead actor than he is. See, I don't think so at all. I think Bill Sykes is definitely a, a supporting actor in that. I mean, Fagin is, he, I think he's in more scenes. He, he's, I don't know. I mean, well, it's because he has the songs, I think. I, I, I bet they're in, because Bill Sykes but, is in a lot more of the later half of the movie. It's true. He's in the later half, but. Um, I, I mean, I can't, I don't know if I can. I mean, I honestly, I have no problem with, I don't have too much of a problem with it. I just don't, I think maybe he belongs in supporting. Supporting, okay. So let's go on. So, I mean, best, let's we'll talk about best actress. They do not get a nomination for that. It would have to be Shawnee Wallace, but let's look at the, uh, right. I think she would, I mean, I would say best supporting actress too, for that. You think she's throwing supporting? I, I think so. I mean, I think she's in the same category as me. May, may, maybe, I don't know. I wouldn't really agree with Fagan so much. Maybe Bill Sykes. Okay. I mean, I, I think she might be the, the, she's the biggest female part. For sure. So let's, Let's for, for giggles. Let's let's go over best actress, uh, because it's 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 interesting because the winners this year in best actress, and I say winners because it's a tie, and it's maybe the weirdest duo of actresses to ever share an award. The two winners are Catherine Hepburn mm-hmm. in The Lion in Winter as Eleanor of Aquitaine, and do you know who the other winner is? I do not. Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl. So, so we're we're talking serious, dramatic, or or comedic actor, and then the other one's probably a musical. Yes. Yeah. Big big year for musicals. Right. The other nominees: uh, Patricia Neal in the subject was Roses, which I've never seen. Vanessa Redgrave uh, for Isadora, and Joanne Woodward as as Rachel in Rachel Rachel. A lot of Rachels there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've not seen it. I mean, you seem to you seem to like her performance more than I do. Uh, uh, Shani Wallace. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just thought she she gave something to the role that, like I said, and it's hard for me to make this my my thing. But I've seen other versions of this, and that's that's my basis of like. I guess for for you, you watched it on its own. It is what it is. That's that, and that's fine. That's how maybe it should be. But for some reason, my brain is clouded with, well, I've seen these other versions, and now sure. I can see why Fagan and Nancy are so good in this one. It's a little bit of a cop-out, but I did enjoy her performance. Sure. Here's the thing. 
for me. I think that uh, the best actress of the year was not nominated in this category. And we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Uh, and uh, the other one I, uh, I want to just go over for, uh, for Oliver uh, is best supporting actor because Jack Wilde uh, gets a nomination to, for playing Dodger. And uh, he is up against this one. You may have trouble with if you, if you want to put him up there. So best supporting actor, the winner is Jack Albertson for the subject was roses. Oh, he was in, uh, Willy Wonka, right? The grandpa Joe. Was he? Yeah, Jack Albertson, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure is. God damn it, Grandpa Joe. Get out of bed. Uh, <laughs> well, funny he's in Willy Wonka. We'll get to that in a second. Other, other nominees, Seymour Cassell in Faces, Daniel Massey in Star, and Willy Wonka himself, Gene Wilder in The Producers. Okay. Do you put Jack Wilde as the best supporting actor? Or do you go Gene Wilder? I don't know. I mean, maybe Jack. Ob- I mean, maybe Jack Robinson deserved it. I don't know. I don't know how good his acting. I mean, it's just it's tough when you haven't seen these movies. Jack Wilde, I think, did a great job. Um, the other thing too about Jack Wilde is that I, I like to watch kid actors in the background what they're doing because I want to make sure that they're still in character and very yeah. much. You know, they're professionals. Jack Wilde's a professional as a young kid, but um, I did watch him a lot when he wasn't the main person, and I think he did a great job. I think he was. I think he was good. I think and he was good. I think he deserves the nomination. I think I he deserves the nom. Yeah, he deserves the nom. I haven't seen yeah. the original producers in years, so I can't. I can't really talk about it. But so that's what I want to talk about as far as Oscars for for Oliver here, uh, with the exception of one thing. And here is our new occasional mini feature, and this is only going to happen on a very rare occasion when I believe that all five Best Picture nominees are not worthy of a nomination. Interesting. And I have five other movies that I would replace them with. I'm, I can guess that one of them is a Space Odyssey. One of them is a Space Odyssey, and that's your one, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Number two, also the lead actress in this should have been nominated for lead actress, and that is Rosemary's Baby came out this year. Okay. I mean... I could see where you'd say that. All-time classic, all-time classic horror movie. Mia Farrow, I think, should have gotten best, yeah, best actress. You can make an argument. Roman Polanski should have been nominated for best director as well. I just, I just don't think they dig, they, they dig horror movies for that category. They don't, and this is this is Oscar bias, right? This is uh, this is Oscar bias. This is this is my personal opinion, right? Because obviously, like you look at The Lion in Winter, that is a period piece, and Oliver, especially at the time, the Oscars just dug. You know, Doug musicals, obviously, and Romeo and Juliet is Shakespeare, serious. These don't fall into those categories, or they sort of were so new. You know, 2001 is, it brings such new stuff to the, you know, to the fore, and mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby's a horror movie, which the, the, the Oscars don't like. We mentioned it before, The Battle of Algiers. That's my third nominee. Great movie. It's very realistic and visceral and it's it's a movie about you know essentially like what we'd call what we you know call later like an insurgency you know there's you know there's like suicide bombing this is 1968 suicide bombing in it and you know just the death of stand you know standers by and 
or bystanders, I should say. It's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's very gritty in, in in a way that these other movies aren't, and that the Oscars were clearly not into at this point. Right. Uh, my fourth nominee, I'd put the producers in there. Uh, if because that's that's still a musical, it's more of a comedy. Again, Oscar bias; they don't like comedies. And you know, the the fifth one, it's another sci-fi movie, and it stood the test of time. And you know, some people may roll their eyes or laugh at this one. But the Planet of the Apes came out this year. Okay. And I would put Planet of the Apes. In in retrospect, you know, looking back decades later, I think Planet of the Apes deserves a, a Best Picture nominee for that year. So for me, I would wipe out these Best Picture nominees and I would replace them with my five. And, you know, uh, listeners, feel free to disagree. I, I, we want to hear your feedback. If you like one of these movies, you're a big Funny Girl fan. If you like Babs, let us know. If you think that I, I I should go to jail for saying Catherine Hepburn shouldn't have won this Oscar, I get it. But yeah, you know, let let us know here. We're we're always we want to talk. That being said, I've talked enough. Derek, let's get back to the actual subject of our podcast this week. It's time, my friend, for the most important part of this podcast, and that is when we put thirty seconds, one half of a minute on the clock. And you try to convince me. <laughs> I think it's only fair that you do it for me. I've already convinced you that it's my, it's one of my favorites. This is your job, Derek. I don't know. You have to make the case. You have to make the hard sell that this is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> all right. Let's start the clock. You ready? I guess. Go. All right. So you've heard about the uh, baseball players who have five of the, the five of the tools that you need to be a great baseball player, right? I truly believe Oliver has a lot of these tools. I think it's a great musical in its own right. I think most of the songs are very entertaining, very classic. They're lots of fun. I think fun is a big important thing about this movie. Is you're supposed to have fun with some of these things. The acting is really good in this movie. That's another big, big tool here. So we got musical. We got we have music. We have acting. Sorry to cut you off, but that is time. Sorry we didn't get to hear the five tools. Uh, Thirty <laughs> seconds goes by pretty fast. It sure does. It sure does. Uh, so, well, folks, you got two tools, <laughs> folks. It's a it's a double tool player at least. <laughs> the rest will remain a mystery forever. Oliver will forever be a Lumerloni. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he'll forever be a Jacoby Ellsbury. He's got fielding. Uh, you know, He's he got hit, base running. He hit 33 <laughs> home it. runs one season, and that was it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, you've, uh, you've heard Derek's side of the story. You've heard my opinion. You've heard his opinion. And it's up for you to decide. Yeah, we, we do recommend because, you know, obviously, you know, this is the first episode we've really had different opinions on a movie. And yeah, I, I do recommend, you know, it's, uh, watch this movie. Decide for yourself. You know, really, we, we want you to watch along with us and we want to give you your opinions because it's, you know, it's, it is ultimately that's what we're here to decide. So for some people, this might be the greatest movie of all time. So give it a watch. Let us know what you think. Derek, any, any final thoughts before we, uh, before we move on? Uh, I would say if you are going to go into this movie, you know, go into it with the, you know, it is a musical. It is uh, based on a book, um, you know, sit down and just, I guess have fun. It's a long movie. So if it's a Sunday morning and you're just getting up and you want to just like kind of chill on the couch and just throw in a long movie and just relax, get it on. It's a fun adventure. 
Absolutely. All right. So, uh, so Derek, big news about mm-hmm. next episode. Yes. We are having our first guest. Oh, I'm excited. And that is going to be Derek, the, uh, the bassist of your band, the, uh, the cosmic vultures, yes. Steve Constantino. Mr. Constantino. And, Indeed. And uh, what has our friend Steve chosen to well, be the subject of his episode? He's been going back and forth, but I think at this moment he has chosen Pulp Fiction by the great Quentin Tarantino. We're going to lock it in then. It's going to be Pulp Fiction. That's going to be a very fun episode. I think we're going to be all back on the same page for that one next time. Yes. All right. So we've, uh, we've talked about Oliver. Let us know uh, if you guys think it is the greatest movie of all time or not. And let us know what you think of our, our little uh, Oscar uh, diatribe there. So uh, we're, we're happy to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, by the way, we should tell you how. You can find us on Facebook. We're the greatest movie of all time podcast. with a lot of new Facebook likes this week. Uh, it's very exciting. Hopefully we can learn to turn it into listens. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at, at Great Movie Cast. You can email us. We're on Gmail, uh, Greatest Movie Pod. Yes. And, at, uh, and Rick's cell phone is 781. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, it, it, what would really help us, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts by chance or any, you know, any service that uh, lets you do this, rate and review our podcast. You know, give, us a, give us a good review if you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, just move on, ignore it. Just, just don't listen to what I say right now. But uh, yeah, that's going to really help us. It's going to help. Uh, we're going to show up in searches and things like that more mm-hmm. as, as, as we get more of that. So we'd really appreciate it. And thank you again so much for listening for uh, the podcast here. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I've been your co-host, Derek Smith. Keep watching, everybody. All right.